0: following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over 4-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Certa Memory Foam Queen mattress, now just $397. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further. At Mattress Firm, restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale.
1: Hey everybody, before we get going, could you please do the Forbes Podcast a huge favor by filling out a less than five-minute survey? Just go to podcast1.com slash my survey or go to podcast1.com and click on the survey banner. It's completely anonymous, and your responses will help us align appropriate advertisers with you, our listeners, so that we can be talking about things that are relevant to you. If, you've, if you have filled out a survey in the past, we thank you, but we, we still need you to do it again. Your efforts will help us stay free to download with minimal ads, podcastone.com, and click on the survey banner. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, to fill out the survey.
2: My mom, I remember, said to me four or five years ago uh, when I first went to college, that she's like, you know, I just wish we could fast forward throughout this whole college thing. And I just know that, like, you're okay, and you're you have a job, and you're doing well. And I remember saying to her then that, what's the fun in that? Because life is all about Hmm. the journey, and it's all about getting to that place. And I don't think once I do get to a place where we're even bigger than we are now that I'd really appreciate it if there wasn't really a journey to get there.
1: Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 Podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young
0: entrepreneurs and innovators. And support from Forbes Under 30 comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com Forbes. Today on Forbes Under 30, Steve Goldblum catches up with Mahak Vora, vlogger and YouTuber and one of 10 Gen Z experts that Forbes says you should know and be following. Mahak was in Los Angeles for the VidCon convention, and we kick it off with her first memory of watching YouTube.
2: Uh, Watching Weird Al Yankovic's eBay, (laughs) I think I was in middle school or elementary school,
1: Wow, that's incredible. Um, what a weird, yeah. that's like such a weird combination of retro, because like Weird Al Yankovic is my generation, but then your, your memory of it is streaming it on YouTube.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy how much the platform's changed, and now everything's on YouTube.
1: When did you first upload a video of yourself?
2: Oh, boy. I think I was a sophomore in high school. I uploaded a rap video. I should not have done that. I think I deleted it, too. But it was that was the first video I uploaded. But for what the heck, um, I started uploading videos my uh, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And it was to document my transition into college as a freshman. And
1: what did you notice? How, what was the process like? Were you doing it every day in a new, new upload?
2: No, every week. Um, daily was too much for me in yeah. high school. Uh, but I didn't really see my, my online persona really taking off until I started doing daily two years later. Um, and I did that for about three or four months.
1: Well, what does it take to build a brand and to build uh, an audience online, on YouTube? How much sweat equity is involved how hard is it
2: it's one of those things where people expect it to happen overnight and it definitely doesn't it's something that compounds over time and as you start to create content that people like and as you start to find your voice it happens it happens but also it can happen really quickly if you maybe hit it big or uh it can happen a little slowly so For me personally, I didn't actually see things start to take off until I was uh, documenting my time at Purdue on a daily basis. Uh, But even then, it didn't really take off until I started posting videos on LinkedIn about eight months ago.
1: Mm, I wonder what it was about LinkedIn that helped uh, accelerate things.
2: Yeah, so LinkedIn, and that's actually the main reason why I went to VidCon this time was more to represent LinkedIn creators. Uh, I'm one of the top creators on that platform right now. And it's because no one's uploading content to LinkedIn. It's like Facebook was back in the old days. So you could like a post or comment on a post and it would show up on all of your friends or connections feeds. So uh, once I figured that out and that there weren't a lot of people that were creating content on LinkedIn. It's just a lot easier to growth hack right now.
1: So LinkedIn is making an investment in content or encouraging people to use the platform in, in that way?
2: They are. It's very new. So I think they just put out video to the public about four or five months ago. Well, when you say
1: uh, you're waiting for a video to take off, like unless a video takes off, what does that look like? You mean like a, a video that goes viral, a post that you do that really connects?
2: Yeah, so for me, a video going viral would mean – it's actually – I haven't really had one on YouTube. Maybe about 40,000 views is my most viewed one. On LinkedIn, I'll get about hundred to 150,000 views.
1: Right. And it's hard to get YouTube v- views now, isn't it? it hasn't it become increasingly harder?
2: Yeah, I think it's really just about knowing how to get your video to rank and how to get people to recognize what your video is and how you get it – to uh, yeah, just to be seen in front of a lot of people, and there's a lot of tools to do that, um, but it's it's definitely hard.
1: Well, tell me um, a little bit about uh, Jamoka Media. Yeah. What is Jamoka Media?
2: Yeah, so we started off as a company that was helping students around, per, or actually helping companies around Purdue reach Purdue students. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because of my YouTube channel at the time. I was pulling in around like 15,000 to 20,000 views every month from just Purdue University alone. Right. So a lot of the companies and officials around Purdue were asking me how I was able to create an audience and if I could help them get in front of those students as well. So I started uh, Jamoka to originally just streamline that process and to right. just uh, make everything a little bit more professional. Uh, About a year into doing that, I dropped out and moved to San Francisco and started uh, and turned Jamoca Media, I guess, into more of a growth hacking agency. So we partnered with a lot of VC firms in the area, I used to sneak into VC parties and get to know all of the partners and uh, tell them, hey, these are the numbers that I was able to get for myself and I'd love to see if maybe there's a way could help your portfolio companies. So we turned into a growth hacking agency and then did that until October of last year and I realized at the time, I just didn't really enjoy consulting in that sense anymore. Mm -hmm. And So um, after all my contracts ended, I decided to go traveling. So I went to India for a little bit and uh, the UK and at the time I was building up my LinkedIn. And uh, when I got back, I came to this realization that LinkedIn is a really new platform. And as I said earlier, it shows up in people's feeds when I like and comment on people's posts. So I realized I could actually make people go viral by liking and commenting on their posts. Hmm. So if I like your post, I can drive about fifty to sixty thousand impressions overnight if the content's good. Right. So, Uh, What I started doing there was I started signing people who wanted to become big on LinkedIn or wanted to become thought leaders within their specific niche. So we signed two guys, uh, John and Rohan, and turned it into more of a management firm. So we take a percentage of what they make through brand deals, sponsorships, um, basically acting as like a multi-channel network, uh, but on LinkedIn. And we help connect them with brand deals but i also help them grow and help them come up with a content strategy for linkedin so in total right now jamoka is pulling in around four to six million views every month just between the three of us
1: really and and uh, and so it's the three of you there and so the agency you said is is also i think this was in an interview it's probably changed but last december taking in about six figures can can you uh disclose any of the financials or how the business is doing
2: Yeah. We're doing really well now. Um, We're still doing that. uh, But what we're doing now is instead of doing the growth marketing stuff, I'm signing. So we have our management firm, but then I'm also ghostwriting for CEOs, VCs and doing the same thing for them, but they're just paying me up front instead Mm. of doing the management model. So I've ghostwritten for people that have like been regulars on CNN and CEOs, VCs. So Yeah. You said
1: growth hacking is something you're doing. Is that another way of saying marketing?
2: It's a little bit more than that. So like marketing is just your average email marketing or social media marketing. Growth hacking is more about finding the exploits within a social media network or what you can do to make something uh, work better for you. So a really good example of this would be realizing that Whenever you connect with someone on LinkedIn, you get their email. So you could download those and maybe shoot them ads on Facebook. Mm. Um, it's not really something where uh, – there's nothing that you're doing that's against the law. But it's something where you figure out what the exploits are within a social media network. And you use that to grow your presence, whether it's for yourself or for your company.
1: You know, One of the things I read about you is that you had an interest at a young age of documenting your life. Where do you think that came from? Um, when did you realize, and I know you touched on this a little bit in the beginning, that, that that's something you wanted to do and why?
2: I'm not really sure. I think it's because I grew up watching YouTubers uh, from Smosh to, uh, I don't know, like just or we're, even Weird Al Yankovic, just seeing people that were creating content online was always really fascinating to me and that from their bedroom or from their room, they could reach hundreds of thousands or millions of people, um, every month. So I think for me, it was, it was just one of those things where I thought it was really fascinating that they could just tell their story and they could share what they were doing through a camera. And I've always really enjoyed being in front of a camera so for me it started off when I was little just videotaping family vacations or triathlons or doing things that were a little bit more fun but gave me the opportunity to make put, either put myself in front of the camera or to put my sisters in front of the camera and edit them and practice. So I basically grew up on iMovie. My parents <laughs> got me an iMac when I was like – I think in seventh grade, it was the family iMac and it was sitting in my dad's office and I used to just sit in there for hours, just playing around and editing. Cause I thought it was so cool that you could put your own movie together.
1: Did it feel natural to you early on? Did you, I mean, what that first experience of seeing yourself on a screen, did it, uh, was it thrilling to you? Was it scary?
2: It was definitely really exciting. Uh, being able to just put something together really quickly and then show it to my parents and say, hey, look what I made. That's super. That was super exciting for me. I remember when I think I was in seventh or eighth grade, I put together like 20 kids in my neighborhood and I told them that we were going to make a movie. And I directed like a full 15, 20-minute movie with 20 of my friends, like we put a script together and everything. And it was, it was things like that where it was super exciting for me to put something together and to entertain people and to have that creative control. And uh, I think any parent now that sees a kid who is really interested in the arts Mm -hmm. should just like get their kid a camera and let them figure it out on their own because it's so much fun.
1: Well, I'm sure you've had to deal with this when you were younger, making those iMovies, and now the people that don't want to be on camera. Do you find there's people in your life – that That have distanced themselves from the things you're doing because they just don't want to put themselves out there in that way
2: yeah uh, I didn't really recognize that much when I was little or see it when I was little, uh, but when I was at Purdue and doing the daily vlogs, um, I had my core group of friends that I think or I know were really like really liked being on camera, so whenever we were filming, it was more about just making sure that they were around me because they really enjoyed it and, uh, were better in front of the camera. So during the days or when I was in school or stuff, I didn't usually, uh, bring the camera out unless there was something specific that I wanted to show. Uh, but the vlogs then were more centered around my friends that I knew were okay with being on camera and, uh, really shine. So it, it actually ended up working better in the end that I wasn't putting people who weren't wanting to be in the camera in an awkward place because my friends who were on camera with me actually ended up becoming regulars on the vlog. And uh, my viewers ended up kind of forming an emotional attachment to them as well.
1: And we're taking a quick break now, but we'll be right back. Support for the Forbes Under 30 podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030.
0: It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Certa Memory Foam Queen mattress, now just $397. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale.
1: Let me ask you something, uh, Mahak, about, about feedback. Because as you know, when you post a video, you're going to get lots of feedback. How do you deal with uh, some of those comments that come on YouTube that uh, can be devastating and anonymous?
2: Yeah. Um I've been pretty lucky. I don't think I have gotten too many mean comments on YouTube. But I think it's because my audience is so small. Um when I do get a comment though that does isn't very nice or does maybe upset me, it's one of those things where it's just like, all right, that person is entitled to their opinion. And I I actually I always tell my audience this too that I always really like feedback. So Regardless of whether it's nice or not, that is feedback at the end of the day. And do I think maybe what people say online, they'd say to my face? Probably not. Uh, But um, I think I just kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. So that's that's the way I look at it. I don't really ever let it discourage me because I know what I'm doing at the end of the day. (laughs) But it's also really good to see that. And maybe it puts things into perspective for me.
1: Well, Mahak, let's let's shift into politics now, because you you were were you the youngest mayor or candidate in in uh, in uh, San Francisco, maybe even California history. I was. <laughs> tell me about that. What was your does it tell me about your intention to run for uh, for mayor of San Francisco?
2: Yeah. Um, so this was this was one of those things where I was looking at my friends and I was asked, I was surprised at how many of my friends weren't involved in politics, but were really upset with the way the city was going and how the city was managed. And I realized that I just had to start. And I, if I could make a statement that anyone could uh, run and anyone could make a difference in their town, I realized I wanted that to... Be me, and this was around the time where um, the Jamaica Media as a growth hacking agency was dwindling down. So uh, at the time, I decided that it would be a really good idea to make the statement and run and say that you don't have to come from any background to make a difference and to uh, stand up for really who you are and what you believe in.
1: And what were some of the issues that you were like that were at the centerpiece of your campaign?
2: The biggest, uh, there are two really big ones that I was pushing for, uh, education and public health. Um, Education, I really want more programs in place for students. San Francisco is one of the smartest cities in the world. We're leading the world in technology, but our students aren't showing that. So I really wanted to put together programs that... uh, and maybe if you aren't going to college or you wanted to be an entrepreneur, there were more paths for you to take if you live in San Francisco to succeed, but out of the traditional way. And then with public health, um, I really wanted to uh, put in more public restrooms because we have a huge homeless problem in San Francisco. And um, so public restrooms, that way there's more of a place for people to go to the bathroom. Um, a free needle program, which they've now started. And it's for me, it was how can I give a drug addiction, not a bad stigma, but it is at the end of the day, even more so uh, a mental health problem. So how can we help people who do have drug addictions get help, but in the cheapest way possible?
1: And how big was the team? Did you have someone managing your campaign?
2: no it was just me
1: just you managing it from yeah. your your root and what part of uh, san francisco do you live in
2: i live in noe valley so right outside the mission
1: okay nice area i used to live in uh, i used to live in the bay area what do you think is you know you're put on this gen z list on this uh of, of influencers what's the best way to reach gen z
2: First of all, it's not really even just figuring out where they are, um, and that would be YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. But it's about how can you most relate to them and get them to feel like they have an emotional attachment to you.
1: Well, what do you think you want to be doing? I mean, it sounds like you've you've came you, you've uh, been shot out of a cannon. You know, in the Bay Area, in terms of you're you're creating your brand, you're running for mayor, you're you're getting teamed up with LinkedIn. Uh, in this interesting way is there anything you'd like to be doing that you're not doing
2: not really I think I'm I'm very lucky I'm in a very happy place right now and I think that's the really exciting thing about where I'm at where I am is that we just keep on going and I think Maybe this might not be the end game, but we're slowly but surely making it there. And I look at this as just being a journey. My mom, I remember, said to me four or five years ago uh, when I first went to college that she's like, you know, I just wish we could fast forward throughout this whole college thing. And I just know that, like, you're okay, and you're you have a job and you're doing well. And I remember saying to her then that what's the fun in that? Because life is all about Hmm the journey and it's all about getting to that place. And I don't think once I do get to a place where we're even bigger than we are now that I'd really appreciate it if there wasn't really a journey to get there.
1: That's a beautiful point. That's a beautiful point. I think it's so true. It is all about the journey. Um, So listen, it's been, it's been great to get to know you Uh, wish you lots of success and we'll be following uh, your work through Jamoka Media and on LinkedIn. So thanks so much for talking with us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcastone.com.
0: It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses, we have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Certa Memory Foam Queen mattress, now just $397. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. At the Border.